Welcome to Live on Purpose Radio with Dr. Paul Jenkins, where you will hear inspiring stories of ordinary people doing extraordinary things. Feed your mind with a regular dose of positive energy and show up for your life every day on purpose. Living on purpose means that you have a purpose and you do it intentionally. And now, here's your host, Dr. Paul. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Live on Purpose Radio. We are promoting pathological positivity today at Live on Purpose Radio. I have a phenomenal guest with me, and we'll start off by an introduction. This is Dr. Russell Gady. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. More commonly and affectionately known as Dr. Russ. That's right. I'm Dr. Paul. You're Dr. Russ. We're going to have some fun here today. Sounds great. Now, uh, Russ, you are the executive director of the Life Enhancement Center. Yes. Where you spend your days enhancing life, basically. Definitely. In a positive manner. We use positive psychology, and that's what it's all about. Beautiful. And that's why we get along. That's right. You're also a speaker, author. Uh, in fact, you just came back from a speaking engagement in the beautiful island country of Guam. Guam. Long flight, but well worth it. And it's still early spring, late winter here in Utah, and so I'm sure that you enjoyed a little break. 70, 80 degree weather, yes. Ah, very nice. Back to the 30, very 40 nice. degree weather now. Yes. Well, we've got a little bit of winter left here. Snowing today. But Russ, this is a podcast, so we don't know when people are even listening. And, and listeners, you might be listening at a time when the sun is shining brightly. It could be snowing. Who knows? That's the beauty of a podcast. Portable, on demand. You get it whenever you want. That's right. But when you and I are talking, that's the context. So Russ, I have been intrigued with something you're working on. As you know, we share a passion for saving and enriching key relationships. Yes. And uh, your business is built around this, but you've also published a book, and you've got another one on the way. Yep. The book I have right in front of me here, folks, and we'll, uh, we'll make sure you have a link to connect to this at the end of the show. Playing 20 Questions with Your Fiancé. Yes. By Dr. Russell Gady. Give us the story behind this. What, what prompted this for you? Well, as a therapist, my background is I have a post-master's certificate in marriage and family therapy. So I do a lot of marriage and family therapy, and I really enjoy the marriage aspect. And as I've done therapy over the years, I started seeing a disturbing trend. And that was seeing people after six, 12 months of marriage in my office ready for divorce. Yeah. And oh, that, wow. That was disturbing. I had another one just last week. Yeah. I, I think they've only been married, I don't know, three, four months. They need my book. And already fallen apart. <laughs> <laughs> right. So you were seeing this as part of your clinical practice. Right. Because as, as I saw those people, I started saying, figuring out what was it that was mm-hmm. causing them to go towards divorce. Mm-hmm. And. Mm-hmm. A lot of times there were just silly little stupid arguments that mm. grew into huge disasters. Big conflicts. Yes. Mm-hmm. And so 
I started looking around for the questions that that they should have been talking about all along, and they haven't. Which and you mean clear back into their their dating and courtship years? Yeah. Okay. Because you know a lot of people say, "Oh, money is the number one cause for divorce," or "Sex is the number one cause for divorce," Mm. and I agree and disagree. Mm. I think communication is the bedrock, and it's how we talk about these things such as money and finances mm. and intimacy that lead them to divorce. And so that's yeah. why my, my first chapter, the question is, how is your communication? Mm-hmm. Taking a look at what it is that they do well mm-hmm. and what mm-hmm. is it that they can improve on. Mm-hmm. Because there, there's generally certain danger signs of communication there's four of them. Okay. There's escalation, and uh-huh. that's when we're talking and we're escalating. Either voice or emotion or threatening. So you're talking about how the temperature goes up. Yes. And things start to get heated. Yes. Whether it started, you know, innocently or in some innocuous way, it, the temperature's going up now, and you see. That's right. That we're reaching a boiling point pretty soon. So that's what you mean by escalation. Escalation, yes. Got it. And it's also the one upping the other person. Mm. You know, for instance, yeah, I guess I had a really rough day. Well, you think that was rough. You should have heard that. this. What happened to me? Well, you think that was bad. And the the back and forth escalating that way, too. Yeah. Okay. Another one is invalidation. Not Mm. feeling validated from your partner. Mm-hmm. And a lot of these things, you know, but we're so much in love that we overlook, and then we get married, and then we realize, oh, wow, he's an invalidator, or she's an escalator. Mm-hmm. So you're saying these things typically exist in the communication patterns already. Yes. But then we notice them more after some kind of a commitment is made. When people go right. from, from dating into a marriage relationship... Um, they start to notice it more because now the pink cloud is gone. <laughs> That's right. Even my wife and I talk, and there are certain things that I do that she said, I didn't know you did that until we got married. Uh, you know, simple stuff, but no, no major deals. But we don't realize what's going mm-hmm, on totally. Mm-hmm. Sure. So you've got escalation, invalidation. Negative interpretation. Oh, so, now you're speaking my language. <laughs> I say something, and you think the most negative thing you can. Yeah. For instance, the example I like to use is, let's go over and see my parents. Oh, not today, honey. It's like, what, you don't like my parents? You don't like my family? Uh, yeah. It's like, no, I was just in the bathroom being sick. I don't want to get your family sick. Not a good time. You know, not a good time. Oh, right, yeah. but you're talking about jumping to... A negative interpretation or meaning that you yes. assign to whatever it is that's being said. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm thinking about all of the examples. <laughs> of, I had a couple not too long ago where, seriously, Rush, she saw everything that he did or said. And I, I know I might be exaggerating that, but maybe I'm not. Where everything that he did or said was evidence that he was unfaithful to her. Yes. You know what I'm talking about? Yes. I've That's not seen even that. possible. Right. 
But that's where she went. So that's what you're talking about with this negative interpretation, interpretation yep. of events or statements or whatever. Yes. Jump into those conclusions uh. that sometimes after you look at them and step back and go, I thought that, mm-hmm. you realize how off base it was. Right. It gets kind of interesting. Yeah. You said there were four. The last one was withdrawal and avoidance. Okay. Now, we always think of withdrawal and avoidance as walking into the other room. But mm. you can be in a conversation eye to eye, and you can see that and person totally is checked out. gone. Yeah. Yeah. It's like they're glazed over somehow. Yep. We all have our favorite. Mm-hmm. We all use them. It's a matter of recognizing when we use them and how we use mm-hmm. them. Mm-hmm. And being willing for the your your spouse to say, I think you're uh, withdrawing right now. And being open to that kind of yep. a communication. Yes. Mm. Yeah, and so that's, what, that's the way the, the book starts because I'm so passionate, if you will, about communication and the importance of communication because we all have problems. We all have conflict in our marriage. There's no perfect marriage. Right. Hate to burst everybody's bubble that's engaged mm-hmm. right now. <laughs> but I'm sure there's a lot of people out there. Uh, you're just trying to help inflate <laughs> their bubble more substantially. <laughs> okay. Right? That sounds That's like, right. We'll put a positive spin on it somehow. You know what? As you introduce this, Russ, I'm thinking about communication and the role that it has in in a relationship. It's huge. Yes. In fact, one of the main things that comes up in my office, and you've probably seen this as well, is is communication. Right. Communication, communication. And I've had some people say, we just don't communicate. Yes, you do. I don't believe that. <laughs> yeah. Yes, you do. You're in the same room. Obviously, you have both communicate about the appointment, right? And the question is, how Yes. do you communicate? Right. What is the style, the feel, the nature, the intent? That's right. The assumptions behind it. Everybody, I've found that 100% of the couples communicate. Oh, definitely. Yep. Would you agree? Yes. And the interesting thing about the... the that communication and that negative interpretation and all four of those mm-hmm. plays out throughout marriage because, for instance, affection. How do you like affection shown? Right. And then we can go to you know, Gary Chapman's That's um, the love, love languages. languages. Sure. And one person may be gift, one person may be time, but if I'm gift-oriented and you're time-oriented and I come back and give you a gift, he doesn't love me. It doesn't make sense to someone who's in a different right. kind of an orientation. And so we jump to the negative interpretation, they don't love me. If they did, they'd do it my way. But we're doing right, the same which thing. which is just insane. Yeah, and we're doing the same thing by saying that because we're not acknowledging exactly. the way that they show love. Exactly. Yeah. So your suggestion is if we think about these things and ask the right questions, we can head off some of the difficulties that might come up. Yes. There, there's always going to be something that comes up, yeah. but it's how we deal with it. Mm-hmm. That's why question number two is how do you resolve conflict that arises in marriage? Mm-hmm. And I've had people say, well, we're not married yet. We don't know how. You do... Because how do you resolve conflict with your parents, with your siblings, with your boss? 
This is more about your own personality. Yes. And then the dynamic that that creates when you get with someone else who also has their own personality. Yes. Yeah. So resolving conflict, and that just like you were saying before about communication, there's a lot of different ways to do that. Right. Some more healthy and productive than others. Right. You know, a lot of people give the advice, don't go to bed angry. Hmm. But that's not always the best thing. Sometimes a couple of hours sleep or night rest is going to resolve the issue. Other times, hmm. you know, I, I don't tell people to go, don't go to bed angry. I tell people, don't start a conversation that can be heated after the time you normally go to bed. Because when do most arguments really happen? After, the, after we're ready for bed and we start talking and it gets heated and we go on to 1, 2, 3 a.m., hmm. we don't resolve it even then because we're too tired and we still have to get up at 5, 6 a.m. for work. Mm-hmm. And how does that help? Hmm. Yeah. So rather than... St- then getting yourself outside of your optimal level of functioning to handle something that's a little difficult to start with. Right. Uh, that makes such sense because you don't want to do this in a compromised mental state. Right. And if you're tired, you don't have all your cylinders firing. That's right. I, I had a couple that came into my office, and as sad as it was, it was almost humorous because they told me, they normally go to bed 10, 11 o'clock at night. Mm. Well, they started their conversation about 11, 11.30. At 3 a.m., they called her father to come across town to intervene at oh. 3 a.m. That's going to work out well. It didn't. <laughs> Hang in there. We'll be right back. This is Kirk Weasler to tell you about morebetterbooks.com. Morebetterbooks.com is where you can find more better books for a more better life. Not only that, let me tell you about some of the very fun and cool select titles on morebetterbooks.com. You'll want to get a copy of The Dog Poop Initiative. This best-smelling book could change your life forever. It certainly changed the lives of thousands of Boeing employees, as well as school teachers, parents, leaders across the United States and in Israel and in Germany. And you can get your own copy at morebetterbooks.com. Whoa, that's not all. What about The Cookie Thief? This classic tale told in a rhyming format, fully illustrated with very fun hidden messages. Pick up a copy now today on morebetterbooks.com. Other great titles there, Finding Your Pathway to Mastery, Beyond Illusions, Make It Great, These titles are only available on morebetterbooks.com. Go to morebetterbooks.com today and begin to have a more better life and live that life on purpose. Thank you for listening to Live On Purpose Radio. We're so glad to have you here. Please come by the website, drpauljenkins.com, spelled with a D-R. 
drpauljenkins.com. On the website, you'll have an opportunity to receive a free download. And while you're there, make sure you click on the social media icons. Come over to Facebook, where we will be posting these episodes as well as our YouTube videos and other content and announcements for you to share. Please like us, comment, subscribe, join the conversation. We're happy to have you with us here at Live On Purpose Radio. Let's all support each other to live on purpose. DrPaulJenkins.com The first responsibility of a leader is to define reality. The last is to say thank you. In between, the leader is a servant. Max Dupree So you gave some good suggestions just before the break, Russ, as you were talking about creating an environment, really. This is how I'm putting it together in my own mind, at least. Creating an environment that facilitates more ideal communication, higher level of functioning. Yes. So rather than don't go to bed angry, let's not stay up all night doing things that don't work. That's right. (laughs) And there's ways to... You know what? That's interesting, too, because I think as human beings, we don't often connect with how much we personally have to do with how we feel. Right. Does that make sense to you? It does. It does. Because, But the reality is we choose mm-hmm. our responses. Yeah. It's a hard lesson to learn. Well, it feels so automatic. Right. There's a concept that I I teach in my trainings. In fact, I did one this morning with a a group of sheriff's deputies where we were talking about metacognition. Uh So cognition is thinking. Right. And metacognition takes it up another level. It's thinking about thinking. Yep. And we have the ability to do this. So why am I angry? Well, it's really easy to point the finger and say, I'm angry because of that person. Yes. If my spouse would only do this, I wouldn't do that. Exactly. And then the wife stops, or the spouse stops doing it, and we're still doing what we were doing. Yeah. And then we go dig it up again to, to reboot the whole thing, even though the issue has already passed. Right. So stopping to think about your own thinking creates a little bit of a space and in that space is where your choice exists. Uh-huh. So that gives you the opportunity to say, wait a minute, I'm feeling angry not because of what my spouse did, but because of how I am interpreting what happened. Hmm, possibly some negative interpretation going on. Uh, I wonder. <laughs> yeah. I, I had another guest on my show years and years ago when who said, this is a potentially relationship-saving question. What else might this mean? Yeah, I like that. And to do that, you have to pause enough to think about your own thinking. Right. I'm feeling upset because of what I'm assuming that this means. Now, what else might this mean? And why am I thinking it means this? Mm -hmm. And does that serve me well? Even a better question. 
but and you, know, you don't you don't know usually, right? So if you don't know for sure what what something means, then obviously you get to choose an interpretation for that. That's right. And the thing is about these questions. I, we we started out Roy talking about fiancés, mm-hmm. then mm-hmm. we started talking about how you're married, right? And, and these are well, you and I are coming from that context because we're both married, right? But these questions really are ones to ask throughout your marriage, and and, I'm, and not my, just with your. Spe- in fact, you're coming up with another version of this book, right? It's going to be called the next play, book: playing twenty questions with your spouse, keeping the flame alive. Uh, okay. And the basis behind that is once your children are gone and you're an empty nester, Mm. what do you do then? Mm -hmm. And not only that, but what type of example are you to your children as they're Mm -hmm. growing Mm -hmm. and as you're raising them? Right. Are you still communicating? You know, there's a lot of topics that I cover in both books, we talk about intimacy mm-hmm. and sex, and mm-hmm. these are topics that we don't want to talk about. People get all squeamish about it. <laughs> You're right. But everybody's thinking about it, too. Exactly. And mm. One of the lectures I've done many times is raising your children with a healthy sense of sexuality, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because sex isn't a bad thing. That's how we all got here. Yeah. But we turn it into some taboo topic. That we don't want to talk about. Well, and it might come from cultural or religious or other kinds of traditional beliefs that may or may not serve us well. Yes. In fact, you know what, Russ? It's funny that you would bring that up because I know in some conservative religious groups, for example, the message seems to be sex is bad, sex is dirty, sex is evil. And then in the next breath... Save it for someone you love. And then once they say, I do, why aren't you pregnant? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) What kind of things are we trying to teach here? I'm not sure. (laughs) Yeah. But what you're saying is let's take a a more realistic, healthy view of this. And there's a difference, isn't there, between sex and intimacy? Yes. Intimacy. Sex is the act. Intimacy is everything that leads up. It's like a biological process. Right. Intimacy is what leads up to it. It, mm-hmm. That connectedness, it kind of not goes, only leads up to it, but supports it and follows it. Right. Uh, it, it starts out with affection, uh-huh. because we show affection to people all day long. Mm-hmm. And then the next step up is intimacy, and mm-hmm. then next step is sex. Mm-hmm. And intimacy is extremely important. And understanding how you like intimacy shown and how you show intimacy and how your spouse likes intimacy and it's, shown. It, so it's really, you're, when you say intimacy, you're talking really more about a deep, committed connection Yes. to another individual. Yes. And now, intimacy doesn't always lead to sex. Right. Because... My wife and I can have some very intimate relate intimate connections sure. out in public. Yeah. We connect at a deeper level. 
you know what? With all the couples I've worked with, Russ, and maybe you've seen a similar thing, the craving is for the intimacy, the connection. Yes. Um, and it implies vulnerability, and it implies trust, and there are a lot of things that are elements of that intimacy. Um, and it gets confused sometimes with other things, whether it's sex right. or anything else right. that can actually get in the way of the intimacy. And some of those intimate moments, how do you fall asleep at night? Do you cuddle? Do you hold hands? Are you back to back? You know, th- those can be some very intimate moments that lead to sleep, mm-hmm. but are very, very connecting. Yeah, yeah. And those are the important moments, as well as all you know, the actual act of sex. Mm-hmm. Interesting, isn't it? That some of these very fundamental topics can be very difficult for people to actually communicate about. Yes. Number one, we don't want to talk to our kids about it because we don't want to put ideas in their brain, air quotes. Oh. Hmm. But I think a lot of the discomfort is we don't feel comfortable talking about it. It, Well, that's the key right there. And if we feel comfortable, it becomes easier. Not easy, easier. Mm -hmm. Because you still have to dispel all the... right the funny things your kids bring home and say, oh, I know how mom and dad get pregnant. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, it's like, wow, really? I have uh, several children, and I didn't know that's how it worked. Yeah, Yeah, revelations from a five-year-old, right? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Or a (laughs) 12-year-old or older. So uh, part of the, uh, the purpose for your book is to create an opportunity for couples to talk about this yes you've you hand the questions to them here's 20 questions in fact you've structured your book around those but it's not like any other 101 questions to ask your Mm -hmm. spouse it's not like those because a lot of those books are 10 questions per page Mm -hmm. well really do i care what your favorite color is compared to how are we going to resolve conflict Mm -hmm. and so I have the question, and then I have a short chapter, five, six pages, and then I list a couple activities, and then some pages that you can answer the question for mm-hmm. him to answer, for her to answer, for him to answer it together. And so I've designed a book that yeah. you can get in the car for a date on the way to dinner. She can read a chapter while he drives or vice versa. Talk about it over dinner. Write down your responses. And boom, you've got one, one mm-hmm. issue that you've answered. Because really, how many guys can sit down before they get married or even after they get married and ask, answer, let alone ask, you know, a thousand and one questions mm-hmm. about your spouse? That takes yeah. time. Give it a few years so you can answer all those. So the outcome, if, if a couple were to take this seriously... And take it on. Do some of the exercises that uh-huh. you've suggested, for example. Have the conversations. What would be the outcome if they were to actually engage in that process? The outcome would be a stronger, healthier marriage where they're able to resolve issues, talk about issues, and not be afraid to approach each other. Mm-hmm. And you wouldn't have to call your 
father-in-law at 3 a.m. to at resolve. To come and mediate a crisis. <laughs> right. And, and the questions here, so even though you've written this book to engaged couples, yes. that's your audience specifically, engaged couples. Yes. The questions are relevant also to married people. Yes. And taking those same questions and integrating them into your marriage and having those conversations would have a similar outcome. It would. And hopefully people buy the book and read it as they're getting married or soon thereafter mm-hmm. and use it as a springboard throughout marriage. A lot, some of the questions are going to be the same as far as my next book with mm-hmm. couples, but they're from a totally different approach. And how they're yeah a different context on it. So and a lot of the questions are going to be different too. So our married listeners can benefit from the current book. This is called "Playing Twenty Questions with Your Fiance" by Dr. Russell Gady, PsyD, and they can hold their breath for the married version. Yes, which will just add some more context to it, but similar processes that you walk through yes and in that context that, that should be released here in a couple months so dr russ tell us how people can get connected with you where do they go to find out more about about your books about uh how how they could engage you as a speaker where do they go they can go to drrussspeaks.com dr russ speaks so there are three s's right in the middle of that yeah so D R R U S. S-S-P-E-A-K-S.com. I heard the three S's right there in the middle. <laughs> and then just uh, click on store. Okay. And right there. And there's the book. The book. We'll and, put a link up on the site as well. And that'll, so that that'll take you to, to the Amazon it. site, but okay. that's how you can purchase it. Perfect. So in, in about 20 seconds that we have remaining, what would be the final thought, the thing that you would want to leave the, the listeners with the most? Learn to talk with your spouse. Learn to communicate with your Mm. spouse. Or with anyone, really, in your life. But that is a really key relationship right there. Yes. And to prepare for that during, during the engagement phase and before that, but then carrying that through so that it can become a stabilizing, strengthening factor in a marriage. Because as you do so, your children will see that example and carry it on too generations to come yes well dr russ you're doing some good work in this world well thank you thank you for joining us at live on purpose radio everybody go to dr russ speaks three s's right in the middle dot com and you can get connected to his book and other things that are coming up through dr russ go out and live on purpose